while I'm standing here, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad that you're sitting next to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. And if you have no one sitting next to you, that's a whole other problem. <laughs> Boy, I was so excited to see that you're having my friend uh, John Mick come to speak to you. John Mick, of course, you, many of you know. And then, of course, you have Aaron coming. I don't know the Coops, but they're probably going to be fantastic as well. So uh, I have been here a few times. How many have ever heard me speak? Okay, I thought I was a little more famous than that. Okay, well, that's good. I have had a chance to speak elsewhere around the neighborhood, <laughs> elsewhere around Canada, and around the world. So I've had plenty of opportunities. So I can't say it's been 16 years since I've spoke, but it, it has been an opportunity for me to be involved. Just a little bit about myself. I am Italian. So I know you're wondering, Art Alexander, that doesn't sound Italian. I tell my friends at the Sons and Daughters of Italy, Art Alexander, if I say these three words to you, you'll get an idea why my name might not sound Italian. Witness protection plan. <laughs> Some of you know. I'm a member of the Sons of Italy, so that's not a made-up group like that other group you might be thinking of. No, it's not the same. That's great. I was born in, and raised in, in uh, Toronto, Little Italy, Cabbage Town. I'm the original Cabbage Patch kid, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Of course, from there, I grew up to be a, a latchkey kid. Do some of you know what a latchkey kid is? Yeah, both my parents work, and we'd go home, and we'd just try to figure out, you know, if they haven't moved, we'd be able to get back into the same house. So that's good. It was great this morning to meet some people here. Chris greeted me at the door. Uh, the, the, the note that that Daryl didn't want to, uh, Dwayne didn't want to, to read was, if you offered people iPhones rather than paper, more people would send notes to you. <laughs> so if you're looking for a new iPhone, contact that guy. And if you're watching online, uh, Dwayne's number is 226, uh, oh, just, I won't mention it here. <laughs> That's great. But I did have a chance to meet, uh, of course, Dwayne and Pam, and uh, Diane and Daryl, of course. We have two Daryls here, right, Daryl? Right? Okay, there you go. I can tell. I can tell. Anybody who named Daryl looks like these two guys right there. Yes, and it's good to have um, all the people here, and Ezra, of course, on the sound, and make me sound good, and, and Daryl trying to make me look good, and whatever. I could have I brought a PowerPoint, and I thought, I'm just going to rely on my wit and charm and good looks. I know. You should have brought a PowerPoint, Art. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's good to be here. I just, um, <laughs> when, when Daryl was fixing my headset here, I said, oh, don't mess up my hair. I just got a, I just got a haircut in, in Calgary, by the way. I just flew in from Calgary. I was out there doing some work. And uh, my, we dropped my granddaughter off at, at a dance, you know, ballerina stuff. And, and she, we drove by a, a haircutting place. And Holly, my daughter, says, hey, have you thought about getting a haircut? <laughs> I said, I have now. So she drops me off, and I go in to get my hair cut, and, and I managed to survive that experience. So, so you know a little bit about me. Of course, uh, I'm married to my lovely bride, Betty, and, and if uh, Dwayne invites me back, I'll tell you the whole story of that whole, whole thing and how we're happily married, which is great. And I'm the National Growth Director for CEF. How many have heard of CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship? Okay, this half of the room, okay, this half, that's good. Child Evangelism Fellowship, 
CEF Canada. I'm with the national office. But we're the largest children's ministry in the world. In the world. So you can look around every flag here. You don't have all the flags in the world, but you can look around even, even in the Ukraine, of course. There's no name on that. It's the Ukraine flag, right? Yeah. When the war broke out in the Ukraine... We were having a conference, I wasn't at it, but we were having a CEF conference in the Ukraine on the, on the west side of the country. Of course, the war broke out on the east side. But we're, we're there in the Ukraine, we're, we're everywhere. We're only, the only country we're not in is you have a flag here of that particular country. Can you guess what country we may not be in at the moment? Uh, North Korea. We're not there yet. Right. So pray for North Korea. We have over 3,400 missionaries, so that's a big crowd. And which, which probably is over 100,000 volunteers. And if you've never volunteered for a CEF or a five-day club or a good news club, let me encourage you, contact, contact me or contact the national office here. It's in Winnipeg. Contact us, and we're happy to help you. We're happy to help train you and, and give you the tools. And I'm going, to be talking about, I'm going to be talking about one of the tools later. Let me just get it out of my, my bag here. And... I'm going to be talking about this particular tool as I give that to you. I'll be sharing about that at the end here. And one of the things I, I want to share with you, there's a, a story of a Portia, Portia Nelson. Portia, of course, was at a conference and... Uh, they said, we want you to write, we want you to write your, your life story in five chapters. And here's a, here's a five by seven card to write your life story, what you want it to be. And so they gave a five by seven card because they didn't want it to go on and on and on. So let me give you the five chapters of her particular book and see if you can respond. See if you can think of if this applies maybe to you. I'll put my, my reading glasses on here. It says, chapter one. I walk down the street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost, I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. And it takes forever to find my way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't find, I can't believe I'm in the same place. It's my fault. It still takes a long time to find my way out but I managed to. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that the hole is there. I still fall in. It's, my, my eyes are open. I know where I'm going. I, I know it's my fault, but I get out immediately. Chapter three. Joe, this is chapter four now. It's, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. <laughs> Way to go. Chapter 5, I walk down a different street. Now, maybe you, you can feel like her, Portia, we, we do things automatically. It might be in your relationship, it might be in your finances, it might be in your church attendance, it might be in your volunteering at, the, at your church. It might be, we do things automatically. And there are some things that we do that get us into trouble. Or is it just me? Some things we do. Some things you might do, you, the way you respond to your significant other, to your kids, 
some things you might do. You might have employees. Or you might be an employee in how you respond to your boss. And we just do it automatically. So today, I want to help you walk down a different street. Amen? Okay, so uh, buckle up. We're going to go on a little bit of a ride here. And uh, are the kids coming back in here? Okay. So I want to help you walk down a different street. And today, I want to give you three points because that's all I could come up with. Just kidding. <laughs> here are the three points. I don't have a PowerPoint, but here they are. You can remember them easily. It's uh, sup- Point number one is that there's a surprised seeker. Point number two, there's a surprised crowd. And point number three, a surprising reminder. If you have your Bibles, in, your physical Bible, or your Bible on your phone and your app, we're going to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. And I brought, I brought this particular Bible. Now, I know many of you have all kinds of Bibles. I'm sure you do at home. And, and uh, I brought this particular one. This one is one of my older ones. Let me go back. This is before some of you were born, maybe. But it goes way back. It goes way back to Central Baptist Seminary days. That's how far back that goes. It seems like a long time. But in Luke chapter 19, let me read it for you. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. You can follow along. Luke chapter 19. And he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. He ran on ahead, and he climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And by the way, it's the only time that Jesus invited himself to somebody's house. So I see you're having people at some of your homes for lunch. That's great. It's great to, to spend time with the speaker. So well done on you. I'm going to Dwayne's house. I think, uh, yeah, we're going to there today, so that's exciting. Verse 6, he hurried down and came, and he came down and received him gladly. Verse 7, and when they saw it, they all began to grumble. And he has gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner? And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, and because he too is the son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for this word. Thank you for the message that comes from Zacchaeus and his life and the things that happened that particular morning. We pray, Lord, you be with us and guide us. And Lord, help me to speak your words. Help, help it to reach to receptive hearts. Help it to be an opportunity for people to draw closer to you. And help us to walk down a different street closer to you. In Jesus' name. Jerusalem. Did you know going from Jerusalem or even Jericho, Jerusalem, or you could go from Jerusalem to Jericho? And there's another, actually, there's another famous story that happens on that particular road. It's about 18, it's about 29 kilometers long, so it's, it's a fair hike. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, we went, 
we're going downstairs today, so it's, and then I had to go back up the stairs. I thought, oh, it's great. You know, thanks, John. I'm getting, getting my cardio in. It's like you know, working, my, working my blood pressure up going up those 20-some-odd stairs. I got the same kind of workout when I went to the Great Wall of China. And I was climbing the Great Wall of China a few years ago, and, and I started out uh, kind of slow. Because if you've ever seen the Great Wall of China, it's pretty big. And if you ever get a chance to go to China and go to the Great Wall of China, I encourage you to go and do it. So I get up, I, I start climbing the Great Wall of China, talking about my cardio, and uh, about after about six steps, I'm out of breath. I look up, and here comes down from the stairs a fellow who must have been, I don't know, 80. He's walking down all kind of, you know, happily and breathing fine. If he can do it, I can do it. And then, of course, my daughter had been to the Great Wall of China two years ahead of me, so I went, I said, i got to get to the top. So I climbed the Great Wall of China in record time, got my blood pressure up, and climbing the stairs in the back here, got my blood pressure up. So thanks, Dwayne, for that. <laughs> That's great. So the, the road to, uh, from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, or Jericho to Jerusalem, the same places, it's about 29 kilometers. And majority of those kilometers... It's in desert-like conditions. And Jerusalem would not, they wouldn't get that much rain, but uh, Jericho would get, get less rain. They would get about eight inches of rain a year, so it's not very much. But it, that particular road, we know, is a strategic road. In Luke 10, of course, we, we were reminded of the, of, the, of the Good Samaritan. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. All kinds of trade can happen. All kinds of, you can meet all kinds of people because that's a, a major trade route. But, of course, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan. He gets, he gets robbed and, and beaten and all of that. So that's in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Anyway, but this whole road, Jericho to Jerusalem, Jesus is going through Jericho. Of course, he's going to a place that's not going to be, it's not going to be very good for all the other people because when he, gets to, when he gets to Jerusalem, right, when he gets to a place, he's going to be crucified, killed, buried. But on the third day, he's, he's risen from the dead. And we're going to celebrate that here in a couple of weeks. And I think uh, my friend John Mick is going to be speaking on that particular day. So it's exciting. That's an exciting day. But the road to Jericho to Jerusalem, it's a challenge. And you, you can even look in, in 2 Samuel 15. There's a great chronicle story there of David and his followers who escaped Jerusalem along that road. And David's son Absalom, he, was declared, he declared himself king. Have you ever had your kids do that to you? You can't boss me around. You can't boss me. I'm king. <laughs> Johnny, you're nine. <laughs> you're not king. But Absalom declared himself king. And David went down that particular road from Jerusalem to Jericho. So what's happening here is Jesus is making his final pilgrimages to Jerusalem. He's on his way to do something that's going to change the course of history. And going to change the course of your life. It's going to change the road that you walked on prior to what he did when he was crucified. He was passing through the city and encounters a man. His name is Zacchaeus, and we're going to find some interesting contrast between Zacchaeus and us. And of course, he was, he was a, fine, a fine man in many regards. We're going to find out about him. When you come to chapter 19, you find out this guy, um, he has his sight, of course. He, he knew where he wanted to go. And, and some people right away think of, 
Oh, Zacchaeus. You, you remember the song you sang in Sunday school? Hey, who can, who can, who can remind me of it? Was and a wee little uh, sycamore. So he was a short kind of guy. Now, I'm not sure if you think art, you could probably identify to being short. I've had a friend always, you know, the classic, you know, I'm sure it happened to Zacchaeus. Hey, Zacchaeus, stand up. <laughs> I was in India one time, and my friend, his name will, will not be mentioned here, but it sounds like Ian. <laughs> We're in a big conference, thing, a thousand people, whatever. He makes a comment, Art, stand up. We're in front of a thousand people. It's crazy. Oh, I love that guy. But Zacchaeus was a short guy. And by the way, he wasn't short. He was we, whatever that. They, they've done some research and some skeleton research, and the average height of men in that era, if you will, is about 5'1 to 5'5. Five five. The average height. So for Zacchaeus to make, for it to be mentioned, he was short. Like, he must have been short. Now I want you to picture, for instance, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito is 4'8 or 4'10. I think I have 4'10. So picture Danny DeVito. Oh, you can picture me climbing a tree. But picture Danny DeVito climbing a sycamore tree in, a, in, a, in an outfit with sandals climbing. I mean, it doesn't look good. Oh, Zacchaeus. I mean, he was a rich man. How many rich people do you know be running down the street climbing a tree? Uh, do you know any? Uh, no. No. Tall or short? I don't know. And I'm thinking, this was a, quite an interesting morning for him. I wonder if he woke up. If he woke up today or that day and said, I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to have something interesting happen to me today. I mean, Zacchaeus was an interesting guy. He was rich, of course. We know that. And if you know some rich people, I have met some rich people. People here in this room. Rich is all relative, isn't it? All relative. And when you think of, I, I have opportunity in my, in my business or in my opportunities in, in work or whatever, in the past, I have opportunities to, to meet all kinds of people, from presidents to, to billionaires to all kinds of people. And so when I find out that people are rich, you know what I found? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you think, when you think of um, your, the richest guy you know, think of somebody. Who do you think, in your mind, is the richest person you know? And so now counteract that with the person you think is the poorest person you know. Now, I've met some poor people as well. I've looked in the mirror and seen one of them. But when I used to work downtown Winnipeg, Martin was one of the poorest guys. He sat outside my office there for, I was there for 15 years, and he would panhandle in his, in his wheelchair. The first day I came up to him, I said, hi, and he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Art. He says, Art, I'll never forget your name because your name is in my name because my name is Martin. Martin. And so Martin, who was in his wheelchair, one leg, he had the other leg burnt off in a fire. He had a whole story about that. But I would see him in front of my office 
panhandling for rain, snow, summer, winter, doesn't matter. We would sometimes have to go down the street of poor Jermaine. We'd have a hot dog. On occasion, I'd say, hey, Martin, why don't you, here's a couple of dollars. Why don't you go get your hair cut? And he would. So Martin was on the, the extreme. And then on the other extreme, you know, I've met, you know, certain billionaires. And uh, you know what I found out? They're, they're all kind of the same. In a spiritual way, they're, they are the same because they are lost. Now, Zacchaeus, he, I don't know if he was a billionaire, but he was certainly the, one of the richest guys. He was one of the richest guys in, in the area. And he was an interesting character. But that morning when he woke up, I'm sure he, he thought, today is going to be different. Because I've heard about this Jesus guy. You've got people just like him in your life saying, hey, Daryl, I've heard about this Jesus guy. Hey, Mary, I, I heard about this Jesus person. Lots of people have heard about Jesus. They don't know him. As a matter of fact, there are people who come to church who, who know about Jesus, but who have heard about Jesus, but don't know him. And although Zacchaeus was rich, he was a he was the chief tax collector. Now, the, if, if you like business and you like maybe even buying a franchise, I owned a franchise one time, a national company, and uh, he was a franchise owner. Yeah, At this particular tax, tax collector, Zacchaeus, of course, he was a franchise owner of the tax booth, if you will. So it was a thing that the Roman government did, and, and uh, that's how he kind of made his money as a tax collector. Now, how many would you would like to have someone come to you and go, the tax collector's here. Oh. Tell the kids, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not around. But Zacchaeus was a tax collector. So he was interesting. interesting. And he, although he was a wee little man, under four foot, under five foot for sure, for sure, and he was interesting. So Zacchaeus, his name uh, was different. I have written down here that Zacchaeus, uh, that was his Greek name. And, uh, of course, his Hebrew name was kind of built out of something called Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a Hebrew word. Two words kind of together, Zacchaeus, meaning pure and innocent, and Yah, which is the abbreviation of, of God's name, Yahweh. And what it means is the Lord is pure and the Lord is innocent. And Zacchaeus is about to recognize that he did not live up to what his name meant. Have you ever felt that about yourself? Your own name? My name, Alexander, defender of men. And sometimes I think, yeah, I am a defender of men. I'm a warrior. I'm passionate about the gospel. I'm passionate about defending people. I have that kind of heart. I kind of have that bent. Have you ever done a, a disc profile? I'm, a, I'm, a high, I'm an I and a D. Everybody done DISC? If you haven't done it, you should, you should look into it. DISC profile, personality profile. This will help you, actually, by the way, if you want to, how to relate to your spouse a little bit better, how to relate to your kids and your boss, and the DISC profile. And you can, you can ask me about that later. I can help you with that as well. But the whole idea is knowing yourself. And Zacchaeus, his name, he wasn't living up to his name. Ever had a, one of your kids not live up to your family name? Or a cousin or somebody, he goes, well, that Johnny, that John guy, Mike, what, he, he's trouble. He's bringing a bad thing in our name. 
And, and, and that happens in the big cities or small towns or whatever, but you, you know the fact that when somebody does something wrong and they know, oh, that guy was a, that guy was a, a, a Jones or a Smith or whatever, we, we know that that name travels with that particular person. So Zacchaeus, if we looked at his name, you would find out he's not living up to what he should be. And we give our kids names for certain reasons. They all have a reason why you, why you named your kid that particular name. But your last name goes way back, way back, way back. So Zacchaeus wasn't living up to his name, and so that was also a problem for him. Now, when, when you think of Zacchaeus, we find out he's like pretty short. And this is our perception, what that even would look like. But we have the same thing about Jesus. You know, growing up, I thought, Jesus. He's a tall, thin, long-haired guy, blue eyes. On TV, he has a British accent. That's Jesus. Isn't that the kind of mindset that, that you had? Well, no, not quite. But we think of Jesus in certain ways. And that might be one way. We think of Zacchaeus in a certain way. Danny DeVito climbing the tree. Art Alexander climbing. I'm a little bit taller than 410. Now with that said, the real stature of a man or a woman is not, not measured in feet or inches. That's not, and it's not measured in wealth or no wealth. It's measured in how, how low they can bow before the Lord. Because the interesting fact is that the lower you bow, the taller you become. Because it's an internal thing that's happening inside. So you want to be tall in the kingdom? Bow down. Want to be great in the kingdom? Become a servant. Just think, just think how you could best serve your spouse today. What could you do to make their life better? Think of your kids or your grandkids or your neighbors. What could you do to make their life better? <laughs> T.R., I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you take a moment to think about it, I think that little phrase can help change, your, change, change the way your day ends up, for sure. So the real stature is not measuring feet or inches. It's measuring how low you can bow. But in verse 5... We, uh, I like it when Jesus says, I want to come to your house. Well, he didn't respond like you probably would or I would or, or you know, Dwayne. You know, he didn't respond that way. Not likely. People come to my house, you're thinking, I'm not ready for God to come to my house. My, the kids have made a mess in the kitchen. It's a, a, total, it's a shambles. Uh, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And in that culture, that's okay. It's not even the fact that, hey, I'm coming to your house. It doesn't mean I'm going to come next week. I'm going to come today. Come today. So, point noted, I need to get my kitchen cleaned up. But that's, that's a good thing to, to know, that when, when people are invited to your house, when you invite people over, you want to get to know people, have them over to your house. So go to their house. It's always a fun thing. So verse 5, we see that Jesus invites himself to his house, and, and Zacchaeus doesn't respond the same way as you or I would respond. When Zacchaeus, he says, uh, I'm glad that you're going to come to my house. Because it's going to be different. I mean, when, you're, when your kids have their friends over, it's like, a, it's like a wild time, I'm sure, many times. They're running, yelling, screaming, laughing. 
coloring on the walls, whatever, whatever your kids might do. It's a fun time. And so I want to encourage you to, to have people over. When, when I first came to Winnipeg, I was at a particular denomination. But I went to visit on the Sunday. That I arrived on a Saturday and we went to friends for dinner. That they say to me, hey, Art, where are you going to church tomorrow? I, said, I don't know. I'm going to go to the denomination I normally attend. I said, why don't you come to my church? We went to his church. And for the next year, we, we were there. I never ever did get to the other church I was going to go to because we were made to feel welcome. Now, if you, if you want your church to be more inclusive, yeah, we can have flags and we can have, we can have Ukrainian flags and we can, have, we can have all these things. But I want to encourage you to be friendly. Or I don't really want to invite anybody over to my house. You don't have to do that. Maybe you go to the local place and have a, have a burger or something. But when you're friendly, it changes everything. Art, I'm pretty friendly. I'm, I'm pretty friendly. Could you be friendlier? Yeah, I'm sure you could. You know what? Even as friendly as I am, I could be friendly. I even catch myself sometimes being not so friendly. You know, you're, you're, I'm in line at Tim Hortons or somewhere, and, and there's like, you know, 10 people in front of me. How long does it take to order a coffee, I'm thinking? Like, I'm not being talking to myself, mind you. You know, oh, you're at McDonald's. They have hamburgers. What? I'm not very friendly sometimes, and I catch myself. And I want to, I want to challenge you today to catch yourself. The moment you say, "Oh, that wasn't very kind, was it?" You've done it. I know you have. I did it just the other day, talking to my significant other, my bride, my beautiful bride, and I caught myself. I caught myself. Too late, mind you, but I did catch myself. I did catch myself. And to make it right. So you need to make things right. So when you think of Zacchaeus, he was a, a wee little man. And it, it's funny, it's not, <laughs> you're not going to walk up to somebody, you look like a wee little man. <laughs> you know, we're not going to do that today. And he, so anyway, he, Zacchaeus was that kind of guy, a rich guy. How do you compare to that guy? No one liked him. He was working for the Romans. You know, he was taking their money, pocketing his, putting money in his pocket. Uh, no one liked him. No one liked him. Can you think of somebody in your sphere of influence that nobody likes? Hmm. Can you think of somebody in your sphere of influence that... You're sure they're never going to come to Christ. Can you think of somebody like that? I've thought that. And when I became a Christian, I'm sure there are those people who thought, that art guy would never become a Christian. And it was on a, on a cold February night. That almost sounds like a John Denver song or something. Or, something, but it was on a cold night. I got invited to a movie by my girlfriend at the time. And so there I am going to this movie in a church, big church in Toronto, People's Church. It's called, I can still remember the name of the movie, So Long Joey. It was about a guy who was in Vegas and comes to Christ. And there I was in the back row 
my girlfriend and her brother and wife, who went together. I'm standing there with my leather jacket, you know, my long flowing hair, my, my, my switchblade in my pocket, my snakeskin boots. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe, but I was cool at one time. And then the pastor gave an invitation. Of course, I didn't know what an invitation was, but he said, if you're in the balcony, there must have been 2,000 people. God is speaking to you. You need to get right with God. And so I found out something, that, that when you're in your long hair, your leather jacket, and the snakes in your boots, and you're crying, it's not, it's, not, it's not easy to be cool. And the, I was just being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, and I walked down to the front in front of some 2,000 people. And I gave my life to the Lord, February 16th, so many years ago. I'd tell you how many years ago, but I'd have to do math in my head. It's not very easy, right? But I walked the dusty trail, if you will. I gave my life to God. And Zacchaeus was one of those guys who people thought, that guy will never, never come to the Lord. Art would never. How could that guy, in his own little gang, the Lord Roberts gang, I know, I was in a gang, yeah. How could he come to the, to the Lord? But you know people like this. You know people who have not heard, and you know them. But let me challenge you. If they hear something about the gospel from somebody else, and they become a Christian, they come up to you and say, hey, I've known you for 10 years, and you've never shared this Jesus guy with me. Well, I want to earn the right to be heard. And then hopefully you'll ask me. Hopefully you'll ask me. What's this thing about how you're kind, and you go to this church on Sunday, and you know they have coffee and, and nice dainties, by the way. Thank you for the coffee. I know you go, but if you never tell them, you never tell them about the gospel, how do you think they would feel when they find out there's something about this Jesus. So we find out, we talk about a, sur a surprise seeker. Zacchaeus was a surprise kind of guy when he got out of that tree, climbed up, the wee little man. He was that kind of guy. But let me, let me tell you the second point here, is that there was a surprise crowd. Like The people who heard this, we find in verse 7, it says this. It says, and when they saw it, that means Zacchaeus coming down, and uh, talking to Jesus, they grumbled. Oh. See, I like this participation part where I ask you these questions. Do you know any grumblers? Oh, man, Art. If you only knew Sally or Sue or Mike or Tom, they are grumblers. They are gr it could be a beautiful day out. It's too sunny. <laughs> if you're a farmer, you know farmers, and it's raining, and uh, it might be raining. They're all thankful, happy for the rain, but you got other people saying, no, it's raining. They're just grumblers. There's something in their body that says, okay, time to grumble. Do you know, go ahead, do you know people like that? Grumblers? About anything. Well, the glass is half, you know, it's half empty. No. What, you, you just know, I know. I mean, I've spoken enough, I've talked to enough people that you know grumblers. And maybe you're thinking, hmm, I'm a grumbler. Let me encourage you, there's time to change. Who do you know that might be beyond saving, who's a grumbler? 
Matthew was a, a, by the way, a tax collector, by the way, right? I don't know why Jesus hung out with these people. But Jesus invited the tax collector, Matthew. And it says, when Jesus invited Matthew, what does it say is in, in, Matthew, in Luke 18, it says, he left everything. Not Luke 18, but he says he left everything. In Luke 18, it tells you something. Let me just read that to you. Luke 18, 9 to 14. And he also told this parable to certain ones, Luke 18, who trusted in themselves, and they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even, <laughs> even like this tax collector. I'm not like him. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, this is Jesus saying, this man went down to the, his house justified, justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Like, it's just interesting. Just interesting how that happens. So we find that, that Jesus exposes the, the religious, the powerful, in that sense. He exposes them. Now, why? Well, Jesus... Jesus does that. He reaches out to all kinds of people. He reached out to me when I was 16. And if, um, as a 16-year-old, you know, I thought I had it all together. I thought I knew all the answers. And my folks couldn't tell me anything. I knew everything. Go, you could ask me a question. Oh, yeah, I could give you an answer. I was just that kind of guy. I didn't know if it was right or not, but I could give you an answer. And I was proud. And it was interesting. But in those days... Jesus reached out to me, and in this day, in Zacchaeus' day, he reached out to Zacchaeus. And here's what happens. Many tax collectors, and, and Matthew was a tax collector, by the way, so Jesus hung out with him, invited him to come along, and he left everything. He left everything. And we thought, oh, isn't that nice? He left everything. But when you put it into context, when, just like Zacchaeus, who was a rich tax collector, Matthew would have been rich. He left everything. Everything. What did he leave? Everything. Which was quite a big deal. But they resented tax collectors, the, the Jewish people, because they were an agent for Rome. They worked for Rome. And they were lining their pockets, as I had mentioned. But there are three main trade routes in the scriptures in those days. There's Caesarea, Capernaum, and Jericho. Now, Capernaum was where Matthew was. And Jericho was where Zacchaeus was. And of course, many of the famous accounts that happen there is working hard and, and finding as they line their pockets. But even Matthew, when he came to Christ, when he came to know Jesus, he had all his friends over. You know, it's kind of like, I'm going to invite all my friends over, my non-Christian people, my, my, my street people, whatever. Come over to my house, and I'm going to invite the pastor. <laughs> I'll invite the Christian guy, the religious guy. I'm going to invite him. So he had, he had everybody over, of course, in Matthew's house. It's in Matthew 9, verse 11, actually. And that's where they had opportunity. Not, not everybody responds to the gospel. Not everybody. But it's our duty, our job, to 
be a part of the Great Commission. It's our part. Art, but I'm, I'm 75 years old, man. Uh, who am I going to tell? Art, I'm nine years old. Who am I going to tell about Jesus? We can tell everybody about Jesus. Well, they were, they, were, they were not happy with the situation, of course. They grumbled. Talk about the grumblers. They were upset with the situation, even back in Matthew, when Matthew came to Christ. And when I became a Christian, people were not happy with that either. When you became a Christian, maybe some of you, maybe your, your parents, maybe somebody in your family was not happy with you when you became a Christian. But that happens. That happens. And you have to press through. So I want to encourage you to, that's what Zacchaeus did, he pressed through. And you know, of course, he ran and climbed up the tree. But people weren't happy with him. And if he, if he could just lay hold of Jesus, which he did that particular day, come over, yes, come over to my house, and we find out some interesting things that happened there. And Zacchaeus, you know, a, Zacchaeus's life and his heart was changed. If you think back to that day, I can think back exactly that day, February 16th. That day, I can think back exactly to that day and how things changed for me and how my friends changed because I didn't do certain things I used to do. I still hung out with them for in the short term, but even now, like people know, like they just talk differently around me. Some of my business people who, and you know, if you're in business, you're out there in the marketplace, you have people who talk differently when they're around you than they do with some of the other people, they say certain things. But Jesus sought out the tax collectors. He sought out the young and the old alike because that's what he does. That's what he does. And that's why he died on the cross. He died on the cross. There's no other way. I can't help enough people across the street. I can't give somebody my parking spot. I can't can't be kind enough to get to heaven. It's only through the acceptance and repentance of my life, the acceptance of Jesus and living by faith. I heard one, one evangelist talk about how to, come, how to become a Christian. He would talk to other people of faith, other, other, other organizations. Hey, I got a knife in my back. This is what he says. I got a knife in my back. I got three minutes to live. How can I get to heaven? I can't knock on enough doors. <laughs> I can't pray five times between now and the time I'm dead. I can't, what do you think of other religions? I got two minutes, Art. How can I get to heaven? What would you tell them? How can you get to heaven? Well, you repent and believe. The thief on the cross, how can you get to heaven? It doesn't take a lifetime of knocking on doors, praying five times a week, or having, having special food, or not eating food all day. It doesn't matter. It's only by repentance. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ who was, who was, die, who was killed on the cross. Buried and then rose again. That's the Jesus that we give our life to. And this is why Jesus, in Luke 10, in this particular verse, it's, it's one of those classic verses, one of the main verses, really, in the Bible, because verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You were lost at one time. Uh, Spurgeon says, If a child is young enough to be lost, he's old enough to be found. How young could a child be before you share uh, Jesus with them? Well, let me encourage you. In 
in our, in our ministry, and I'm involved again with child evangelism fellowship around the world, we had almost 16 million kids in our clubs. That's a crowd and a half. 16, almost 16 million kids. Five and a half million kids gave their life to Christ. You want to be a part of a powerful children's ministry, the largest children's ministry in the world? Child Evangelism Fellowship. Yeah, your backyard clubs, you can do this summer. You can do it in the schools, the Good News Clubs, which uh, only in Manitoba, by the way, can we do them during the school time hour. So I want to encourage you to be involved in something, and Child Evangelism is a great place to hang your hat. I know that some of the people here have been involved in, in that. They've had backyard clubs. They've helped feed the people. And we'll send people to help do the clubs this year, this summer, because we raise up some people to do that, some young people. So if you're a young person, you want to get involved in having a summer job, this might be an opportunity to, to get involved in that regard. But one of the things that we use is, is something called the wordless book. And the third, so the third area really is this, is a surprising reminder of what Jesus said, and that's in verse 10. And this is something that I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to motivate you to do, to share your faith. Art, but I'm, I'm scared. I really don't know what to say. Can you help me? Because if John or Mary or your friend dies without Christ, there's only, there's only one place they're going to go, what the Bible tells us. And it's not going to be a great place for them. So let me tell, I'll just tell the kids a story because they're here. When I was a kid, I wasn't much older than, than, than some of you guys. Your name is Rhea and Eli. How old are you, Eli? 15. A little bit younger than Eli. But when I grew up in downtown Toronto, Eli, we lived, you know, we didn't have, you know, any grass, really. Any, everything was cement. Everything was pavement. So one day, my friends said, hey, we're in this park, we're out by our building, and you know, the moms would open up the windows, they'd be looking out the windows, watching all the kids playing. So my one friend says, hey, why don't we bring a picnic table over towards the monkey bars? So we thought, hey, that's a great idea. So we went and we dragged the picnic table over towards the monkey bars, about eight feet away. And then we would run off that picnic table and dive into the air. He grabbed that monkey bar. It was awesome. Awesome. And then Luigi, of course, you know, my friends were Italian. Luigi says, hey, why don't we get the other picnic table and drag it over here, and we'll bring this one back a little bit. Now we got a little bit further. Now we got maybe 10 feet, and we got two picnic tables. Then we'd run down those green picnic tables. Then we'd leap off into the horizon and grab that monkey bar. It was so awesome. Then Johnny, of course, says, hey, Hey, Art, uh, hey, we got a great idea. When we get the last picnic table, the green one, the other green one, now we're going to have three green picnic tables end to end to end. So now it's about maybe almost 20 feet of picnic table. We move them back from the, picnic, from the monkey bars. We would run as fast as we could, but now it's a little bit further. And then Luigi says, hey, who is going to do a climb on here and go? That's my Italian accent. And so I'll go. So I, I, I brushed my hair into the wind. I tied up my PF flyers really tight. And I ran down the 20 feet of green picnic table. 
I leaped off into the horizon. And there I was suspended between heaven and that other place. There I was soaring through the air. And I realized one thing, Eli, that short, good-looking Italians can't fly. And I hit the ground, face down in the cement. And I could see uh, my mom, I could hear my mom from the fourth floor. We lived in apartment 408. I could hear her, Arta, what's you doing? Anyway, next thing I know, I, I look up, and there she was kneeling beside me in her, in her house coat. What were you thinking? I said, I was just trying to be cool, Mom. I was just trying to do something beyond my skills, I guess. I'm crying, I'm blood, I'm crying. What a whip, I'm crying. And my mom says, get up. <laughs> Take me upstairs for some spaghetti. <laughs> no, no. Her bedside manner, Eli, was not very good. Get up, so she do it again. Oh, mom, I don't want to. Get up. Ever had that? Ever have your mom or dad say that to you? Get up. I pull myself together. I get up on the, on the end of the green picnic table about now, I don't know, 15 feet from the monkey bars, whatever. And I ran as hard as my PF flyers let me go. I was running hard and hard and hard. I leaped off and I grabbed the bar. My friends started to cheer. They said, Art. They started chanting my name Art, Art, Art. It was awesome. I thought maybe my name would be in lights. I thought maybe they had placards or whatever. But sometimes we just got to do something. We're challenged by something. And if I challenge you to share your faith somehow, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. So again, Spurgeon has said, if a child is young enough to be lost, he's old enough to be saved. This is something we use. It's called the wordless book. And I was, uh, I was speaking at a college, Bible college recently, and, and uh, this is the greatest, greatest book for college kids. Because you know what? College kids don't like to read. There's probably some high school, junior high kids. Don't like to read. So I would tell them, this is the book we use all over the world. No words. That's awesome. That's the kind of book I want to read. And this is the book that we use around the world. It's Child Evangelism Fellowship. You could use it right here. And I have a few extra if you have some Sunday school staff who want to use them. I have a few here that you can have. So the word is book, of course. The first color is, tell me this color. Gold. And gold talks about heaven and how God so loved us. He loved the whole world. And the whole world included a short, good-looking Italian guy, <laughs> which was me, and included you too. And it includes Zacchaeus. It included him. Gold talks about heaven. And then you could talk about heaven, how to get to heaven. But we've got a problem. You have a problem. You had a problem. We have a problem. Your friends have a problem. Your boss has a problem. Your, your, your employees have a problem. If they don't know Christ as their Savior, they have a problem. And it's called the dark page. The dark page is sin. So you can't get to heaven if you have sin in your life. That's why we need to repent. <laughs> you tell this to a kid. He's eight years old. Hey, hey Johnny, you're a sinner. Hey, Art, a sinner? How can I be a sinner? I'm eight years old, man. You're a sinner. Hey, Johnny, have you ever told a lie? Well, hey, I might have told my mom a lie yeah, the other day, but, hmm, okay, Johnny. Have you ever taken something that's not yours? <laughs> well, 
Okay, let's not get personal here, Art. <laughs> hey, have you ever hated somebody, Johnny? Yeah. When my sister wouldn't change the channel when I wanted her to, or, yeah, I have. And guess what? You know people just like that. Hey, Mike, or Tom, Sally, Mary, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, doesn't matter how big or small, but it's a white lie. <laughs> Key word is lie. And that's a problem. Have you ever stolen something? Doesn't matter the, the expense, young, big, small, grapes from the grocery store, whatever it might be. Have you ever taken something that's not yours? Yeah. Yeah. You ever hated somebody? Yeah. Yeah. And it goes on. But really what you're doing, you're just, you're just bringing them through the Ten Commandments. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. So that's why you can, you can, you can talk to people. Hey, Mike, Mary, uh, do you think you're a, are you a good person? You know what they're going to say? Yes. You know what the Bible says? There's none good. No one. So either you're lying or God is lying. Who could it be? But you can share this, the wordless book. The first color is dummy. Okay, and you're going to say it a little bit louder. The next page is dark. Which color is this? Dark colored, right? But guess what happened? Again, you can't get to heaven with sin, with darkness in your life. But then there's a color called red. And this talks about Jesus, and you can, you can certainly, if you're talking to a young person, old person, whatever, the red is in Hebrews 9, talks about without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Red talks about Jesus. And there's no way to get to heaven. You can't give enough money to the church, enough money to charities. You can't help enough people across. It's only by Jesus. And when you accept Christ, when you accept Jesus, something happens to our heart. And this is what happened to Zacchaeus. His heart was changed that day that he met Jesus. And then there's the white color clear color. He changes your heart as white as snow. And here's what happened. One time I was speaking in Haiti. And I'm up there, I'm, I'm, I got an interpreter. He's I'm preaching. He's preaching alongside. I don't know what he's saying. Hopefully he's telling him what I'm telling him. But he's preaching away. We're preaching away. And then I said, Jesus come into your life. I tell him the story. And he makes your heart as white as snow. And in that moment, in that instant, I'm thinking, when's the last time they saw snow? Uh, no, but then I, then I remembered. I thought Jesus changed your heart as white as the inside of a coconut. You've seen that white, white, white. He changes the heart. Then, of course, when that happens, you get to the last page. That's how you get to heaven, of course, by repenting and by believing in Jesus. But the green is really about growing, growing in our faith. And that means reading the Bible, going to church, going to house group of Bible studies, or all of those things. That's how you do that. In John 19, John 1, 9, this is, of course, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And Zacchaeus, he finds he gets right with God on that day, but he also gets right with people. And this is what can happen. Jesus can help change your life to get right with people. And, of course, we find that, you know, he, he says... He says in, in, in Luke chapter 19 that he, he's going to give his money away, his possessions, I'll give to the poor. If I defraud anybody, anything, I'll give back four times. He was only required to give back 20% if, in, in the Jewish law, but he gives, I'm going to give back four times. I'm going to give it all back. 
His life was changed towards Jesus and towards his fellow man. And your life can be changed too if you do what's right. And I want to encourage you to be, to be evangelist. Jesus came to seek and to save, but he's going to use you and me to do it. Who do you know? Mike or Mary or Tom. You know somebody at work or your neighbor. And sometimes I miss it. I miss it. I miss the opportunity to pray for people. I mean, I've, I've prayed for people in all kinds of places. Superstore, aisle six, talking to somebody. She was telling me some, something, and I, I said, oh, can I pray for you? <laughs> yeah, pray for me. She starts crying, aisle six. Uh, I'm praying for somebody. At the gas station. I mean, you can pray for people anywhere. And 9, 99%, 99.9, people won't, won't mind. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, pray for me. So maybe that might be a place where, hey, John, Mary, Tom, hey, is it okay if I pray for you after they told you something? They may, not, they may not be believers, but you're going to remember them. Sometimes what I do, and this might be something for you, I mean, if, if Dwayne's not going to give us free cell phones or whatever, I have mine in my bag, I guess, or my pocket. And sometimes I'll text some, my, somebody I haven't seen for a while, and I'll say this, you're on my mind today, I'm praying for you. That's not, that's not that difficult. <laughs> and you're saying, right, Art, I know, if you can do it, it's not that difficult. But you could send a note to somebody and say, I'm just praying for you today. That means they're on your mind. If you're driving along, don't do it while you're driving. But if you're driving along and somebody comes to your mind, you could, you could pull over, turn your car off, and you could text your friend, your, your friend, your, your, whoever. I've been praying for you. And that's what you could do. So it's easy to do, easy to encourage people, easy to get on their radar. And so all that being said, I don't... Encourage you to climb up a sycamore tree, oak tree, elm tree, wherever. But I do encourage you to, to seek God, seek his face. Do whatever it takes to get closer to God. In your devotions, in your prayer time, church attendance, whatever it might be. Use your cell phone to connect with others. You can share the gospel with people, even on your cell phone. You don't have to show your face. You can use a wordless book, and I have some. You can, I'll give them to Wayne. You can... You can uh, hand them out or whatever. I have a half dozen here. So you could use that. So I want to encourage you. There's nobody above getting saved. Zacchaeus, people hated him because he was ripping them off. He was a short guy, still ripping people off. But even short people can come to Jesus. Even we little men can come to Jesus. And so that's what I want to encourage you to share your faith with somebody and be be a life changer. Uh, today. Let me pray. Father, we're thankful that uh, Zacchaeus, what he did, and uh, I know for us sometimes we miss it, I miss it, but Lord, help us to be people who, who will seek you and that we can grow in our faith. Help us be people who can uh, share their faith, and uh, I know, Lord, there, sometimes we just get scared to do it. Uh, we just get scared, and I pray you'd help us, uh, even using something as similar as a, the wordless book or Whatever it might be, Lord, help us to do something like that. And that we would see others come into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.